Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Ruck number one of the new rugby season. I'm Alex Lowe and I'm joined on this pod by Will Kelleher, Deputy Rugby Correspondent for The Times. And a few months on from Leicester winning the title with that drop goal from Freddie Burns, the two of us were back at Twickenham for the launch of the new Gallagher Premiership season. We spoke to a cast of thousands, all of whom were excited and optimistic for the start of the new season. We had a chat with Alex Anderson and George Ford from Sale Sharks. Jamie George from Saracens, Tommy Freeman, the New England cap from Northampton Saints, and Lee Blackett, Director of Rugby from Wasps. But there was also a cloud hanging over the day and really the start of the new season in terms of Worcester Warriors and their grave financial situation. So we also spoke to Steve Diamond. On the day we chatted, the Worcester players were still waiting to be paid. That money has now dropped into their accounts and we're confident that they will start the season. So Steve Diamond addresses that, but also the wider financial issues facing the Premiership. So now we're here with um, Worcester Director of Rugby, Steve Diamond. And I suppose, Steve, we've got to start with, how on earth are you? The last month or so must have been hell for you. How's it all been? I think since the 13th or 14th time I've been here, a Premiership launch, so... There's a lot of uh, walking under the bridge over those years, and it's just another chapter, really. It's, you know, a lot of the clubs have been through a lot in the last two years, and it culminates in in, in businesses struggling. It's not just in rugby, and I'm wise enough and old enough to understand that, and you you try and get through it as best you can. We're talking on Thursday, so things might change before we put this out. But what's your current understanding of the situation? We've been waiting for players and staff to get paid. Has that happened yet? What's what's the status quo as far as you know it? Well, the status quo is they're, they're supposed to be paid overnight and today. I've, uh, as of nine o'clock, we hadn't, but I think that's just a, a banking issue from the two owners who have been working endlessly behind the scenes. They, they assure us that the, the money will be in the bank today, so fingers crossed that will happen. Steve, if that does go through as... As promised, it buys it buys the club a, a month or so till, till the oh, next. No, no, I don't think it does really. I think it. I think it's more than that. I think what it does, it gets over the short-term cash flow issue, and it, it buys a month to then 
put future plans in place for the next season plus. So it's not just, or it's not a case of just finding money for each month now. Okay, that's not the case. But can the club fulfil the opening fixture against London Irish? Absolutely. There's there's money for for, for the bus to get them there. there yeah. there's, there's money in the pot yeah. to allow the club to yeah. play the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke and I put a cash flow together for the next five six weeks, which is, you know, to be fair, the way the fixtures lie. We would never stay overnight at London Irish from where we travel from. We've then got two home fixtures, then play Gloucester and Bristol. So there's not a lot of expense, really. You know, there's the um, if, if all the staff get paid, which God willing they will do, then um, it'll run as normal. From what we hear uh, and what we understand, is an enormous breakdown in trust between your playing group and the owners of the club. You're in between that. How do you? How do you, how has it been for you to to keep that? That playing group together, focused on matches when they don't know whether they're going to be paid. They don't. Maybe you, you, you cancel the friendly because you can't risk them getting injured. Yeah, and and I think there's been some uncertainty certainly this week. And 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 it's ironic I'm speaking to you two, isn't it? Where only four years ago, one of your fellow journalists was accusing me of not looking after player welfare uh, in his article. Um, but now you've got to look at it sensibly and we, what I did was I took a bit of contact out of training because it, there was uncertainty and if people were looking to move on if the contracts do come to an end which I don't foresee happening then you've got to give the players the best opportunity to move on and being injured wouldn't be the best opportunity so that was the decision took there um, was player welfare and mental welfare you know it, it, the, it's not football where everybody earns thousands and thousands a week. You know, there's lads earn 20, 30, 40 grand. And you can't afford to have your wages not in the bank on the last day of the month for, you, for all sorts of reasons, like everybody in life. So it was taken on sort of a, not a snapshot, I'm thinking of it, speaking with the senior players, speaking with some of the younger players and, and the newer players, um, what I thought was the best thing for us. And, and I think I'm right in doing what I've done. And who knows, we go to London Irish next week and we get a result, then uh, it might be the way forward for the league, eh? Steve Diamond sets another precedent. <laughs> <laughs> no pre-season games. How have you tried to keep the, the group together and motivated? You've been putting out your social media posts about staying together, haven't you? But I don't have to try. I was at sale for 10 years and had a group who stayed with me for eight of those 10 years. It's, it's easy for me. I'm the glue between... The, the, the bricks and I've got good coaching staff who are young enthusiastic got a playing squad which was whittled down uh, in the spring and eight nine lads who've joined who are absolutely ambitious so uh, all of those combinations ingredients have made it work uh, and that won't continue forever but uh, leading the, the troop like I do it, you were all in it together as the, the hashtag came up you know let, let's you know, there's no criticism coming from within to our uh, owner base. It's difficult out there, and it's not obviously we're taking a lot of the uh, heat at the minute because of what's happened, and quite rightly so. But there are other clubs who are struggling, um, and, and as long as they um, deliver the way I'm trying to deliver, I'm sure the best outcome will come. I wanted to ask you about the the general state of the professional game in, in England because we saw last season we've got you know, record attendances, record TV. Uh, ratings and yet we have clubs on the business side that, that are struggling and, and Worcester are now you know, the closest to, to, to having to be put into, into administration how do you view that 
the industry, if you like, the, the disconnect between the, the attention that the sport, the club game now gets, which is greater than ever, but then the business challenges are probably greater than ever too. Yeah, and I think some great moves through through uh, the pandemic have happened. You know, the salary caps come down, which was common sense, really. Probably not the time to be a player. You know, they effectively come down a third in the last three years. So that's been a positive move to keep the businesses going. But I think I think nobody understands up until... You know, we find ourselves out of the pandemic. That how serious it was, you know, and the borrowings that we needed to get businesses through the uh, the pandemic. You know, the furlough scheme was fantastic, but it doesn't operate over thirty grand. So the, it, it was it was exclusive to a lot of the clubs for the mass of their expenditure. Um, but I think the model's got to change. If I'm honest, the days of when I've been around a long time, I think I say. It, 13 or 14 times I've been here, the model's got to change. It can't rely on a, a wealthy benefactor. Wealthy benefactors get fed up with it. It has to stand on its own two feet, and the current model doesn't work. Do I know the answer to it? No, but I've got some ideas which I, you know, I, I put to people behind the scenes. And, and, and one thing is, the sport is growing. Like you see, TV audiences are up, which is fantastic, but it's how we monetize that and how we uh, convert that into businesses just breaking even, never mind making a profit. None of it's simple, but what are, your, what are your ideas for kind of making it more sustainable, trying to change that financial relationship between basically 13 rich men who are kind of trying to keep these clubs going? Yeah, well, again, to, to be fair, my ideas are in, in the embryotic stages and I, I don't really want to discuss it, and not for being coy at this stage, but I think there's a life for professional rugby, whether it's coming down a couple of teams... Um, geographically, we need them in the areas that they're in. So we need one up in the northeast. We need one in the northwest. Um, how we how we run the salary cap moving forward? Um, do we put more of an influence on our academies so more English kids come through? Because the clubs I've come from most recently, Sale, produce lots of kids. Worcester produce lots of kids. Uh, would it make the England team stronger? You know, so that which where we get part of our funding from. Um, you know, does it go to an American sports or other country sports franchising systems where the current owners are taken out and and, and then rebought? I don't know. The, 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 that's I wouldn't say it's above my pay grade, but the, 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 something's got to change. Yeah, something's got to change. Yeah. As we stand here now, you have got that opening game against London Irish. You said you're happy that you can fulfil that. Are you confident you can? do the full season as well you've got enough cash to keep you going through the whole nine months yeah well well i'm confident that that we can we can do the season definitely um i think there's worcester is a a rugby area i know it's one of the not as old and established as gloucester and stuff but the old worcester rugby club was um it's not like living in the northwest where you've got liverpool everton man united man city stoke preston you name it on your hands so it does get reasonable crowds, um, and I think, I think, I think if the current owners are doing a good job behind the scenes, and if they decide to move it on, the next people come in, I've got to be sensible because you, it's a chicken and egg scenario. If you cut the playing budgets again, then the quality goes down and people don't come in. So you, you can't feed, you can't feed it. So there's got to be some hybrid sort of, you know, the new television deals that are going to be set up. But that's always been the way. Uh, there's, there's got to be a rethink of how these businesses are financed because effectively, if you look at it, with the borrowings that all the clubs have taken from the government, DCMS, DCMS probably own, or not own, but 
have control of 20% Main of the creditors, league. Yeah. CBC have control of 27%. It, 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 it's a worrying situation, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll give you all the best for the season. Hopefully, we see you playing in a week's time and the home game against yeah. Exeter would be um, raucous, too. wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think what, what has happened during the, the last two or three weeks is that the... The, the support base and the sponsorship base in Worcester has raised its head and you know um, we've got two home games if we can get a if we can get some sort of good performance which I'm, I'm pretty sure we will do against London Irish then we, we could see some crowds coming perfect all the best okay. thanks for your honesty thank you. Steve thank you appreciate cheers that. fellas that was Steve Diamond there who whatever he says however bullish he is has, has faced a tricky old time in charge of, of Worcester Warriors albeit at London Irish on the weekend, just look forward to seeing them take the field. Um, it's been a, a tricky old time for, for all the, the players and, and employees uh, of the club. As I said at the top, it was a busy old day at Twickenham, uh, talking to, to players and, and coaches from around the league. First up, let's go to George Ford, the new Sail Sharks fly half, followed by his director of rugby, Alex Sanderson. So here with George Ford, a new Sail Sharks player. Tell us about that to start with. How's the move been up north again? Yeah, it's been great actually. Um, it, it all happened pretty quickly, obviously, when the season finished. And unfortunately, I had my injury, so I had surgery pretty much within a week. And then it was like all came at once in terms of getting surgery done, moving back up north, settling back in. First two or three weeks, um, chilling out really, because you can't do too much anyway after that. But. Um, Good now, like off crutches, out the boot, all settled in at home and been at the club for five, six weeks and really enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's obviously frustrating at the minute that you can't be on the field with the boys, but um, just trying to find out ways to help or influence without being on there, really. So, really, really enjoying it, yeah. You've just walked down the steps here, a little gingerly, but you are out of the boot. How long did it take the new Mrs. Ford to get over the fact that you'd be in a, a moon boot on your wedding day? A while, yeah. Um, <laughs> when I when I did the injury, I was I actually said I said to her that it's, it's going to be a bit of a, a tough one. This in terms of like I'm going to be off feet, and she's like, yeah, no worries, no worries. I'll I'll look after you and do my best. And I think about a weekend, she was literally hating me, like <laughs> getting driven driven everywhere, and it just just the simplest things like you couldn't get up and make a bit of food or having a shower and stuff it was just difficult but um, looking back now it was only maybe two or three weeks of that and then yeah I got married three weeks ago I was in the boot still which didn't I had to take it off for the pictures just in case uh, (laughs) in a few years time we look back on them and I've got a massive boot on but yeah no we had a great day as well Did you get left with all the wedding planning on the sofa? Yeah I actually got a lot of admin I did get a lot of admin not not so much for the wedding like um, that was pretty much done but Addy now owns a restaurant which has been shut and she just reopened it. So the last maybe three months has been getting that ready again. So there's a lot of admin in terms of that, which was nice really to take my mind off being injured, I suppose. Mm. You're mentioning there the restaurant and you've got your coffee shop, I think, as well. A lot of it was about moving home, moving back to your family. Does COVID kind of play a part in that where you sort of weren't with your family as much maybe and you felt that tug of home a bit more? Yeah, definitely. There's still... At the forefront of my decision was still a rugby decision um, in terms of since 16, 17, I went to Leicester for four years, then went to Bath, then back to Leicester. I never really had an opportunity to represent where I'm from. So that was obviously a big thing that was niggling away a little bit. But I suppose sometimes when, you, when you've been at a club for a fair amount of time as well, like um, you, you think to yourself, you know, what, 
how can I improve or how can I get better? And some, sometimes it, you feel maybe sometimes that you need a bit of a change, a bit of a new environment, going experience playing with new players and new coaches. Because you just never know until you actually do it whether whether that would be beneficial or not. Um, so I, I, I wanted to like sort of jump jump out of comfort zone a little bit. It'd have been probably comfortable to, and I love Leicester and I, and I love what we achieved last year. But I just thought this opportunity was too good. Do you have a return date yet? You say a couple of months. Is, is yeah, there a no, match in mind or no anything? No specific date, no, but um, it'd be around December time. Around those European games, maybe? Yeah, hopefully. It's just one of them, you've just got to see how, how it keeps, how you, how you keep going day to day, but it's gone brilliantly up until now in terms of the healing process and early stages of rehab. But obviously I've got Manu to lean on because he, he had the same injury not long ago, yeah. so just keep having conversations with him because he came back, I think, in... A week, a week before six months. So. He came back via ballroom dancing classes. So, yeah, that's one yeah. thing I won't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, he didn't mention. Obviously, it's rehab. It's different rehab. Yeah. I think part of it, from from what I can gather, is he's just learning to move again without thinking too much, and that's why Manu did salsa. I think I'm going to do tennis. I think that's okay. what I'm going to do. The physio's got me lined up to go to David Lloyd, do a bit of tennis, and then might do a bit of a into a little bit of a tournament near the end of the rehab or something. So that's why you weren't on Strictly, it's starting in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> My man who had to do a performance in front of everyone yeah, dancing, okay. so I think they're all coming to watch me play tennis. So. <laughs> bit, How's bit, your bit, bit, A bit more nervous about that than getting yeah. back playing, to be honest. Can you, just to wind back to, we're looking out on the Twickenham pitch, and obviously that's where you had your horrible injury. Yeah. Can you just talk us through the emotions of that? Because you ended up the day Premiership champion with Leicester again. Yeah having done that as a kid but for you it didn't last as long as you wanted it to and you could see your face when you came off and it, it really hit you and then you've got the emotion of Freddie's drop goal and everything else Yeah, that must have been a complete whirlwind day especially the last day you played for Leicester as yeah well. it was uh, look the, more, the first and most important thing was we won and the memory we created there and the, the season we'd had that, that's 100% the most important thing the injury and stuff like that all happened so quickly. Literally in the backfield, trying to run around someone. It just it just goes like that. You spend two or three minutes trying to work out what's going on, and then and then before you know it, you're on the sideline watching the rest of the game. And it's always harder watching them playing. But the way the way Freddie kicked that drop goal was unbelievable and just made it all make sense. Really, even though it was a, a devastating day in terms of my my injury, I was I was actually over the moon. Honestly, over the moon that we um, that we managed to win. It'd have been a really bad day if we'd have lost and got the injury on it. Yeah, so yeah. I'd take it to be honest. Did, did your dad come down out of the stand to? Yeah, he was. I think he was somewhere. Yeah, he just sort came over. his way past the stewards. Did he? Too? Yeah, but I was. I got up and I put my foot on the ground and I knew straight away. And so and obviously, your mum and dad are over there. They they deal with it in different ways, don't they? So he came over and I just I just said, yeah, look, I think it's my Achilles or whatever. Yeah, he was good. He was good. He just still about 60 minutes of the game left so I can't really remember what he said to me at that point to be honest <laughs> Was there um, a moment where you had to flick the switch between being a Leicester player and a tail player and did you get to because if you're in your boot and everything did you get to celebrate and enjoy the yeah. fact that you'd won the league and everything else? No, that's that's a, probably the yeah one of the disappointing things is obviously you, uh, you're in a boot you can't move around much the, the boys are flying in terms of celebrations and we had a good night that night and then they carried on the day after but I was Freddie Burns did about four days. Yeah, he did. I think he's still going out, to be honest. Um, yeah, and then the day after, I just left it. I was, I was in a bit of... Uh, it was a bit painful and swelling and all that. So, But we had a good like good send-off, good, good night and a good morning with the boys. And um, 
and that's it. That's the weird thing about rugby, isn't it? Sometimes, like one minute you're you're a Leicester player and you're here winning, and then the day after or the week after you uh, you go into a different team. But like I said, it, the, the main thing is that we we had that good day together and a good season together to remember, I suppose. You and I have had conversations down the years about the, the kind of real intricacies of of the game, and you study it so closely. Heading into this season, are there any tweaks to, to game plans and styles that, that you anticipate coming in over the next few months? Well, you can see where the game, I think where the game's gone these days in terms of that. If we talk about the defensive part of the game first, everyone's a great defensive team now, and, and I think the the main theme is they want to get light, as much line speed as possible and take your time and space away in attack. So, so again, if that's the case, in my head from an attack point of view, is like how, how do you? be most effective against that sort of defence and I think maybe gone are the days at the minute where you uh, you play a really sort of structured attack in terms of like you carry and you go around the corner and carry there and then expect to go up the field that way I think defences are too good these days so I still think um, variety in the way you attack moving the ball a little bit more changing the point of contact and also a little bit more change, di- change of direction in attack so traditionally in rugby union a lot of teams play same same way from one sideline I suppose to the and try and outwork the opposition. But teams are too good defensively now, so I reckon you'd be a bit smarter in terms of changing direction and attack. So, for example, you might go two phases one way knowing that you're going to sweep back the other. And it's a thing they use in the NRL, I think, at the minute, in, in rugby league, especially with teams who haven't got the most physical or big big men in the middle and they can't bully teams up the middle. They think, right, how do we be most effective in other ways? And they try and beat teams with speed and change of direction. They might see a bit more of that... Um, and then, again, I mentioned to you earlier, I think the kicking game is still a massive part of the game in terms of creating opportunities, attacking opportunities, not just kicking willy-nilly. But I think the best teams, the teams that will probably pull, pull away from the, from the others is uh, how quickly they can take that opportunity when it comes. So when that attacking opportunity is, it's, it's usually there, there and then on that phase. If you miss it, the defences recover. So it's almost like, how, how can you flick that switch the quickest? I think that's where they the game's going at, as it currently stands. Might be wrong, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring it back to Sale to finish off. When you do get on the field, how excited are you to play in a back line with young England nine, Rafi Quirk, yeah. and your old mate Manu outside? Yeah, and a few other signings too. I, I think the, um, the back line in general, so obviously you've got nines and people like Manu, the outside backs have, have massively impressed me. Young lads, um, Aaron Reid, Tom Roebuck, Tom O'Flaherty just come up who's... He's a bundle of energy, so um, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I said to some of the boys, I said we've got, I think we've got all the weapons we could possibly wish for. But the key thing is bringing all that together and getting the best out of each other. Um, I've been part of teams before where you look down the team sheet and you, and you think, God, that's a great, that's a great backline that, and then you're 11th in the league. So it's not necessarily all about just names and sheets. It's how you can bring it together and get the best out of each other. So that's what we'll be trying to do. Well, all the best for it. Looking forward to seeing you back in December. Thanks very much. Uh, and enjoy the rest of the day. There's plenty more. Yeah, there like is, Rolling yeah. pound coins into forks and, and uh, beer pong. Throwing tea bags into cups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. think I'd be doing that today. But. Uh, you're, you're in a coffee shop. You should be a master. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how we get on. Perfect, George. Good to chat, lads. Cheers. Thanks very much. So next on the rack, we've got Alex Sanderson from Sale Sharks. We've just been chatting to your top new signing, George Ford. How's he been settling in? Back up north? Like hand in glove, like he's he's obviously come home and that's big for him. And he, he didn't realise how 
big an impact, you know, he admitted to me the other day, it would have had on him in terms of his well-being and happiness. Um, and despite the fact that he's not able to, to train out in the field and, and lead by example in that sense, it, he's been a really positive influence off the field around the small conversations. And, and when he stood up in front of the boys and, and said how much he believed in them and how excited he was about what he was seeing us do, you know, that, that's that's a big it's a big energy giver to those lads who, who really respect him. There has been a, a little bit of movement around the league with signings and stuff like that, but you guys have made possibly more big-name moves than others. Are they gelling in nicely, Johnny Hill, Tommy Flackerty? They are social animals, these lads. <laughs> like, we didn't even have to get them up. Went to Galway for a week, um, which is a great spot and against a really good team, but it's probably too much of a... Too big, a, too big a party town than what I realised. Like we went out on this Sunday for, for a meal. And a Was this the fancy dress that we yeah, saw you know, on Instagram? And, then, and... I took him out on Tuesday. And Tuesday's international like rubbish night of the week in it. So I'm thinking there's nothing happening tonight. We'll take him out for a meal, and it was rocking. And those <laughs> boys were like leading the charge, which I wanted them to be because it's all about that. So yeah, re- really, really happy. Not just for the players, but for the people. Like the really good people that fit in well. Alex, when, during the season, you are on it 24-7 you're always thinking of your team thinking of rugby yeah. studying it what do you do in the summer does that just continue but you go and speak to new people explore new sports for, for fresh ideas or are you able to switch off at all do you even want to uh, you have to you have to try to just so you you have the requisite energy levels to last what is a, a grueling but brutally brilliant season I sent four four coaches out to Australia this year on a, on a similar pilgrimage that I was sent in, in, in my like early career to look at the best organisations, the ones that are doing well now from not being there or thereabouts a year or two ago to those who have been at the top for 20 years, like Melbourne Storm. So they covered a range of sports, AFL, the Rugby League, they went to three or four teams of Rugby League, went to a couple of AFL teams and dropped in at the Waratahs as well come back with a with a wealth of knowledge like I'd, I'd like to think that I've been trying to drip it in over the last couple of years a lot of what I learn and the experience but when they hear it first hand mm. when they've been immersed in those environments um, it, it, it's so much more impactful so they've, they've come back and they've taken a lot of the learnings and they've just implemented them really without without need for discussion and what did you do I did quite a lot at home uh, spending quite a lot of plates I never got away for longer than two or three days, so I ended up like working hard to start the week and taking the weekends off, and that was enough. It's it's a funny thing that a rugby club, and I'm still getting to, to grips with the enormity of the task. Right, if it was just about the game, it'd be brilliant and easy. There's mm. so much more to to manage to to have an influence over, and seemingly in this position, it's almost like being the queen. Like you need to sign everything off. So we're getting to the point, hopefully now, where there's a bit more autonomy and. I can focus a bit more on the rugby. We're a few days now from the beginning of the season. Is this that kind of Christmas Eve feel where you're really excited? Or are you ready to get back on that roller coaster you're talking about? The emotions of weeks and results and highs and lows, or does that leave you with a little bit of butterflies, a bit of fear, maybe? Well, yeah, or? No, no, the excitement, knowing how hard we've worked and how much it means, I have a tremendous amount of care and want and care and desire that the boys are able to put out there something worthy of the effort they've put in. That can come, come across as anxiety. I was speaking to Mark McCall about it. So I know I'm going to have to step back a little bit just let him get on with it. 
daring to fail. It's only when you're truly, truly being open to fail that you get the best out of yourselves in terms of your success. Otherwise, you're never really failing, are you? You're always holding something back. So I just want them to, to be all right with that. That takes a, quite an, a large amount of trust to, to, for players and coaches to be confident in their position that they can try and fail and it won't have repercussions and it takes a lot of faith doesn't it? No it does have repercussions of course it does you know with the old cliche that you fail fast you learn fast you know we spent a whole pre-season immersing ourselves in uncertainty and, and this is not my concept like I'm standing on the shoulder of giants here I spent a bit of time with Sir Andrew Strauss who talked about the super over and uh, their methodology of how they were a- of that team was able to control what was a black swan moment and mm-hmm. turn it to best ends and end up winning something which will never happen again in sport and his methodology for doing that is being alright with failure It's interesting you mentioned cricket there and Andrew Strauss because all you're talking about with that accepting the fear of failure seems to be what Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum are doing with England cricket team that kind of release the shackles and don't worry if you play a bad shot and get out because there's a wider goal is that do you study what they're doing at the moment the always yeah bass like, ball and all that well look, I guess not what they're doing but it, it is of a strand of that way of thinking and you've got to be careful right because if you, if you just if that's all you do then you end up training chaos into them so it's not really about just being chaotic it's about how you manage it how you cope with it how you find a bit of order from the chaos but certainly being open to the fact that at some point the lead wasps are going to be flying you know the bombs will be dropping and you've got to be able to to adapt Take a breath, which we do, breathing exercises, and, and understand what you need in that next job. That, that for me, is going to be the key. If all things being equal, it's how those people adapt in the chaos when, um, when things don't go to plan and now you have to form a new one. And, and sort of ending the conversation where we started it, on that theme, to have a player like George Ford, who we just spoke to him about where he sees the game evolving over the course of the next season, that kind of control and order among the chaos was was effectively what he was saying you know you, you've got to be ruthless when the opportunity arises yes, create the opportunity to be ruthless and that you know and, and having him there even at the moment in a you know in a non-playing capacity because he's injured is, is critical isn't it yeah so the game management the decision making ability and obviously his execution is, is second to none the number of opportunities um, that we've had a positive on the back of a kick to defence to receiving a kick to attack there's far fewer in attack there's far fewer opportunities where you're able to attack from a disorganised, broken field scenario. So when that opportunity does arise, you've got to be able to go. You've got to be ready. Like you've got to run back and get into shape 20 times for it to be on once or twice. So it's, re- it's really crucial that you make the right decisions, but you install that kind of work ethic in the lads that for every 10 times you're on, it's probably going to be on only once or twice, but keep doing it. So that when it does arise, you can you can take advantage of it. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So next on the ruck, we've got Lee Blackett at Wasps. We had Alex Sanderson on just before you, and he was joking that he's finding the role of director of rugby is a bit like being the queen. You've got to sort of sign off everything that's going on. There's obviously been more going on off the field with Wasps this summer. Has that been tough, not knowing what you can do with recruitment? I think you said the other day that that sort of recruitment freeze is now over. You can yeah, look for so r- r- recruitment was fairly difficult. Uh, there was a freeze put on around just before Christmas. We managed to sign a couple of people, one internally, uh, and Will Hayden Wood externally in, in that time because we'd signed someone from a player that had to retire that we never announced as signing, but we announced him and we had that money to go and get someone. So we, we managed to get two players for, for, for that player. But outside of that, it's pretty hard when you're halfway through recruitment and there's certain positions that are a little bit light. And so, yeah, and then in the last couple of weeks, things have just moved in more in a positive direction in terms of that, uh, that be able to get. But it's obviously difficult at this stage of the season. There's a lot of there's a lot of good players out of contract, but they, they must add to us. We're not just going to bring squad guys in that are just going to almost be our squad players. We want people that are going to come and make a difference week in week out. So, look, we we may not find them, but at least there's some money there if we need to go and get someone. What's your understanding of the situation now with all that? I know it's not your sort of top piece of expertise, but the the financial situation is it all calmed down a bit from the reports early in the summer yeah yeah it's definitely calm I, I think what I have I have trust I have trust that there's definitely a couple of people that massively on the board that I, I trust uh, that are going to do the right things for this club it's got a great history hasn't it our club uh, you can't forget about what it's done and what it is and this guy's really fighting for that so I, I'm pretty positive but it's and the reason I'm positive is because I know there's, a, there's guys that just care so passionately about this club and will never let anything happen to it so I have 100% trust in those guys Do you worry at all about where we are at the moment with everything that's going on with Worcester reports about you guys in the summer and it's it seems like the cracks are opening up a bit from maybe when we put a plaster over them in Covid is that yeah, tough to worry about I, I, at the moment? I think it is for it is for anyone, and you only have to look at us and look what industry and look where our revenue comes from. Not many people have a stadium like ours. Uh, With the like casino ticket, and yeah, everything casino, else, yeah, casino, everything. You've got tickets for Harry Styles going out uh, tomorrow. That, you got one. The, the amount of revenue. Actually, my missus bought. I can't believe how expensive you are. You think? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Saying, you get cheaper tickets. I don't. I pay what everyone else pays for, which. In, <laughs> As a northern, I'm pretty disappointed with. Uh, I'm happy to take freebies, but 80 quid a ticket. Really? Okay. She wanted seven. And I a Wasp match day it. ticket is 30-odd, 40-odd? I don't. I get free for Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's... Uh, you just t- talking about the revenue that's just going to come in for that one 
concert is ridiculous and with covid and everything we we missed out on all this and you only have to go down to that the the stadium and see the daily activity that goes on in all the suites the exhibition halls like this club was just was losing money left right and center during that period and it's it, it slowly started to catch up but the thing we have that's positive is that stadium and it will bring money it should bring in millions and millions of pounds a year so look we get through this tough period we'll be absolutely fine it's a fascinating situation, worrying as you say, because there is a sort of disconnect that the product on the field is so popular that there never been more fans coming to rugby, um, never been more people watching on, on television, it's never been bigger club rugby, and yet at the, at the business end, clubs are struggling, and, and I suppose the sport needs to find a way of of marrying the two. That, that at the top end, it's, it's growing like never before, and yet the financial issues that underpin it are still there yeah it, it is it is and uh, like it's always been a, a rich man's hobby as well isn't it you, you need an owner that's willing to lose money unfortunately the game isn't earning enough money at this moment in time but as you said it's it's our job as coaches as well to grow it uh, make sure the brand's there that people want to come and watch and and I, I know for us Last year, I was really disappointed with our skill set was probably the biggest thing. Uh, I felt towards the back end of the season, our defence at the start of the season, at the end, was 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 a positive. We had we were poor in the middle, but we started the season really well. And at the end of the season, we conceded 18 to 20 points. But I felt like for the first time, I'd probably been at the club, I felt like our attack was letting us down. Uh, I felt like our skill set... There was things we changed as well around last season. I think we made... We made mistakes coming towards the end of the season. We we dropped. Whenever you reduce things in the program, we re- reduced our skills and we didn't spend enough time on it. And uh, they're the lessons you always learn. And I learned we we as a club learned a really valuable one last year. We we want I want people to look at Wass and say how skillful we are. I want supporters to be excited by what we what we bring. And I don't think we can get away from the kicking side of the game at the moment. Uh, you, you win games by kicking. But you kick for a reason. You kick to get the ball back in a better area of the field. And capital, you kick the ball to break the game up and make it loose. And, and when the game gets loose like that, people get excited by that. Supporters get excited by that, and it gives us more opportunities to score tries. Gloucester to start with, uh, the first Sunday. Yeah, we. You know that's a tough start. Uh, we know what Gloucester bring. Had a really good kicking game around them last year. A great mall. I think the mall was there. There absolute weapon last year uh, we had two good days more wise against them last year a great win probably my favourite win actually last year was a, was away it was my first Sam Robson's drop goals yeah, it? away was. from home yeah yeah. Uh, so and we, we stole a five metre line out right at the death to win it you think you've won it by that and then we have a penalty last play of the game we lose the restart uh, sorry we won the restart give the penalty away at that breakdown and we end up in our corner and uh, Vifafita goes in the in the air and wins it. So, look, one of my favourites. Uh, it's going to be a tough tough start. I think they did really well. I think George has done a great job there. We've got a lot of respect for what George has done. Well, all the best of it, Lee. And, yeah, hopefully everything calms down and we get into some rugby and go. we can all enjoy it. Cheers, Perfect. Cheers, Thank guys. You, Thank you. Cheers. Right, so guests coming thick and fast on the rack. We've got Jamie George from Sarries here. Hello. How's your summer been? Summer's Post-tour. been excellent. Post tour got away. We got five weeks, so went away for a couple of weeks with the missus. Uh, got some training done because I've learned that if you do nothing, that's a bad idea. So um, stayed fit. Uh, obviously, it's a short turnaround now for us for the season starting. So uh, I probably did well by getting on the treadmill a little bit. 
so you're on holiday, you get up early and hit the beach, a few <laughs> beach runs. Not and quite like that. I, well, I sort of, we stayed at some nice hotels. They happen to have gyms. Uh, so get up pre-breakfast, thrash it out. And then really hit the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast buffet on a summer holiday oh, after, a, after an England tour. That must be... I bet it took a hammering, didn't it? It really did, yeah. I have to be careful. <laughs> there were scales there, thankfully, so I could really manage how good it was. But yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, we had a great trip. We had a great trip. What pre-season season number are you on now? Uh, Can you think? 14. 14. Do they get any more or less I like brutal? Pre-season. I like yeah. pre-season. Don't mind running. Quite like the training of it. It's the only time you get your weekends. Quite enjoy that. We, look, we work hard, but like fundamentally, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't work hard. So I don't see any issue with it. I think it's good. Yeah. So talk to us about the end of last year. Obviously, the massive disappointment of the final, but then the uptick of the England tour. How did you kind of wrestle all that when you were sitting on the beach? I, th- I think it was, um, it was almost the exact thing that we needed in terms of the Saracens group that then went to Australia because I was chatting to a few of the guys who hadn't been selected internationally and they, I think they struggled a little bit. I think they found it really hard to get the, to come to grips with it, uh, to get over it. Whereas we were into the next thing, you know. You, you, we had a, a big tour down under, tough, you know, having tough test, uh, and yeah, thankfully we had something to get our teeth stuck into. So that was um, in on that side of things. I guess that was a positive. Just to, to touch on that tour, when you when you came to the end of it, having been through a tough test and you come from one nil down to win, that that sense of Satisfaction, I'd imagine, and you know, and I guess resolve that, that was built when you went out after the game on a Saturday night, Sunday. I'm not sure when you came home from Australia. Was that the overriding sense that you'd actually built this real resolve and, and, and a real satisfaction of what you'd achieved? I think so. Yeah, um, I just think we took huge steps in the right direction. I, look, I think there's a, there's a lot there's a lot for us to work on rugby wise. Uh, I'm not standing here and saying you know we're playing incredible rugby and really happy with where we're at. We're not. But at the same time, we're finding ways to win. And you look at Australia now in this rugby championship, they're no, they're no mugs. Mm. They're a good side. We beat them down there. Not many teams have gone to do it. You know, we're the only, uh, what was it, the second English team to do it behind 2016. So, you know, you've got to take a huge amount of pride in that. And we do. I think we took big strides off the field, getting together. That was a young group. And we learned a huge a lot about a lot of people. You learn a lot about yourself. Such an exciting year ahead. And I think it set it up really nicely. In all your time as a rugby fan and a rugby player, have you have you known the international game to be as open as it is? You talk about the your series in Australia it gets put in perspective when you see what's happening in the rugby championship, where everyone is beating everyone. I think it's such an exciting time, and like building up to France in November, it's just going to be like unbelievable. Um, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the players. I think it puts a lot of pressure on the backroom staff to make sure that, you know, the, the unique thing about a World Cup is you get a pre-season together. Usually you get one week before a Six Nations campaign and everyone wonders why you're not cohesive. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a brain, science, yeah. a brain surgeon to work that out. It's something that we did really well in Japan and I've got every confidence that the backroom staff are going to be doing everything they can to make sure that we're right, but every, t- every country is going to be saying the same thing. Um, so it's, a, it's high pressure, but, you know, that's the moments we live for. Do you spend your summer watching those games? See yeah. the pumas and, and the box. I love it, it. Yeah, it's funny. I was just, like again on holiday, <laughs> and then it was like sort of three o'clock. I just kept like nipping back to the room at three o'clock for a nap. <laughs> and then my wife would come back and she'd be like, "Why are you watching that? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> great rugby." <laughs> just thinking about Saris, um, 
not often you lose finals, and that must have stung, but you had the tour to kind of get over it. So how do you kind of re-energise and come back at it? We were so close, no cigar. Mark did a brilliant presentation when we were all back in about what happened the last time that we lost the final. It was 2014. We went on a pretty good run after that. That was both finals, wasn't it? The Correct, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we got to a semi-final and a final this year and lost them both, and there are some parallels there, but we went on to do pretty good things in 2015, 16, 17. You know, we went on a bit of a run, so we looked at the reasons why, and we're going to try and replicate those. As a wider thing, how do you think the league's stacking up this year? I mean, a few moves around the league, haven't there? Maybe a few marquee players coming in, but... Does it look kind of quite even at the top of the league at this point? Yeah, think? I think so. I think much much like the international stage, I think you know the salary cap reducing puts interesting challenges towards teams now. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a really tight season. I think I can't see many teams running away with it. And on their day, I think most teams can beat anyone. So you know, they're probably the most consistent team. I think you know you'd be pretty happy to be in the top four. And you've got, in the European Cup as well, I know we're talking about the Prem today, you, South African teams, you keen for a couple of those little trips Keen for a couple there. of away trips, yeah. <laughs> Western Province would be nice, yeah. Stormers would be all right. Um, yeah, look, I think it's great, it's, it's a good addition. Um, and you're, sorry, as well, you're back in the big comp as well, which yeah, is another yeah, tick Yeah, which box. is great, yeah. You know, that, it provides another challenge with a smaller squad and that kind of thing, but at the same time, it's where we want to be. We want to be challenging ourselves against the best. We've got a good, a really interesting group couple of good away trips in there as well so yeah look we're, we're, we're looking forward to that and um, you know I think again it puts a big stress on the entire squad making sure that you know you're going to pick up in injuries along the way are the younger guys as prepared as they can be to step up and play in these big European games the way that we've been training I'm sure that you know I've got every confidence that they will be awesome Jamie Thank you Thanks for joining, for joining us. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate Good luck it. Good for the ring in the rest of the day and the thank season. Thank you. Appreciate it. So next we're with Tommy Freeman, Northampton Saints, and England now. Yeah. Got your cap in the summer. Can you? Should we start on that front? Yeah. Hello. How awesome was that to go to Australia, win your first couple of caps? Yeah, it was was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, first time out of Europe as well, so that was pretty really? cool. Really? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> over in uh, Australia, um, long long old flight, but no, it was was awesome to get my. Uh, first cap um, for the country and um, hopefully many more to come What have you done with the cap and the shirt, is it framed at home, is it with mum and dad, what's, what's happened to it uh, Yeah, it's in the process um, there's a guy we know at Northampton who can sort all the shirts out and we're, uh, we're going to sort it out at the moment now yeah. And If we were to ask you a quick fire question of the first memory that comes to mind when you're asked about the tour what is it? Is, it, is it a moment off the field, is it the moment you're told you're being picked, is it is it a moment in the game? I think it was the moment I was told I was I was playing. They put it up on a whiteboard, um, a big team, um, and the first thing I did was look at the bench to see if I was on the bench, and I wasn't on the bench. So I was pretty gutted at first, and then I looked at the starting <laughs> lineup, and I was there. So yeah, that that's that will stick with me forever. And uh, so you had no inclination from training runs or or anything? Uh, no. So obviously I wasn't playing in the first test. Mm. Um, so kind of just. Tr- for the f- I just focused on training, making sure I could kind of put my best foot forward. Um, but no, I didn't really have an inkling of, of having a shot or anything really. So it was uh, it was really nice to see. Did your mum and dad come out, family and things like that? Uh, yeah, so I called them. Obviously, I think the time difference was like nine hours, or whatever it is. So I called them. You woke uh, them up, did you? Yeah, it was four <laughs> yeah, in the morning for them, right. and I and I got them with how I got really. I said I'm not on the bench, and they were gutted. And then I said yeah. I was starting, and uh, 
yeah, they were they were over the moon. Um, but the plan was for them never to come out, even if I was playing, just because of the distance, the money. Um, but I said you can't miss the first one, so, yeah. they, so I, I flew them out, and uh, it was good to have them there. Amazing. So thinking about the new season, uh, obviously had a great year for Saints, and that's why you got picked for England, scored loads of tries. Where do you think your game can go in the next stage? What are you looking at over this summer to improve things for the coming season? Um, yeah, hopefully I can take off from where I've left off. Really, um, that that's the main thing. Um, I think I can push fitness levels, um, kind of be the fittest around a lot faster as well um, in terms of that physical attribution. But um, skills-wise, always improving. Still young. Um, got to read the game a little bit better as well, um, as some of the older boys do very well. Um, but yeah, there's always loads of room for improvement, and I'll just uh, keep pushing each day and getting better. And You've moved around a little bit, 15 wing, a bit of centre maybe. Where, where do you think your best spot's going to be this season? <sighs> I don't, yeah, it's either at wing or fullback, I think. Yeah. Um, if I'm needed at centre, I'll play there. I'll, uh, I'll do my best wherever I'm put, really. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really um, fussed too much. The chopping and changing is the most difficult part of, like, kind of getting some consistency. But other than that, I think, um, yeah, I'm happy to go fullback wing and, and do my best there. With, with Phil Dalson now sort of fully in charge at Northampton and Chris Boyd back in, in New Zealand, has it been a just a completely smooth transition? Like you wouldn't notice the difference, or does Phil do things slightly differently in his way that, that challenges you and makes you think differently? Uh, yeah, I think no. Like you said, it was it was very smooth. Um, obviously, because Dallas was in the coaching setup beforehand, and it was, it, yeah, the transition was was real smooth. Um, obviously, they're different people, and they, they're going to have different uh, things. But um, but it, it is quite similar. But um, Dallas is a bit more hands on, and he'll he'll get involved a little bit more. Um, so in that respect, yeah, that that's the only. But is the ethos going to be the same? Are Saints going to play this season? With the same mindset, the same style that you you set out to play last season. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, we we won't go away from our, what we call our DNA. Um, we'll, we've stuck to that, um, but it will be a case of with Dowson. Um, I think it will be a case of focusing more on something than others. I couldn't tell you what right now, but depending mm. on how we go in the season, I think um, yeah, the, the the main focus might be some, something slightly different to what Boydies was. We'll let you go in a sec, but. We're all sitting here on the eve of a season. It's always the most exciting time, is it? If we could give you one goal you want to tick off, club, country, whichever, in 22, 23, what would, what would be yours? Uh, starting winger for England um, in the Six Nations. There we go. It's a nice goal to have. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Perfect. We'll get there. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Perfect. Tommy. Cheers, guys. Enjoy Thank the you. rest Cheers. of the day. Thank you very Cheers, much. Tommy. Thank you to all those guys for taking time out to give us their thoughts ahead of what should be an exciting... And long new season, it'll, it'll barely pause for breath, really, for the England players until the end of the World Cup in late 2023. But we're back. The Ruck will be with you every Monday throughout the season. Please follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be dropping in some counter-Ruck episodes through the campaign with features and, and other ideas. This episode, as always, was produced and edited by Alfie Reynolds. We'll see you next week and enjoy the new season. 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 